0: Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club Founded 1923 where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker.
1: Good day, mates. We are really proud to have one of our own this morning or this afternoon. Uh, Kimberly Broder started in Rotary with the Rotary Youth Exchange Program, spending time in Australia. This is something that has allowed her to grow, not just from that experience, but to be a member of our own club. I want to point out that she spent time in Japan learning Japanese, and for me, (laughs) So, I was really impressed to know that she was so committed that she wanted to go there to learn Japanese. She has been a part of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department for just about 20 years. And she's here this morning to tell us about her experience with the Clark County Detention Center. So, Kimberly.
2: Thank you. But first off, uh, I want to call out Bob over there, because I think I got a place for you now that you're dealing in diamonds. Okay. Do I have to use this mouse? So I'm going to talk to you about the Clark County Detention Center. It's actually a part of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And they combined. So we're commissioned with the police department. And a few of us have been going around to different areas and educating the community about what it is that we do. And the very first thing I want to show you is a little video here.
1: Bring you here
2: today, ma'am. My boyfriend called the cops on me
1: I'm going to stand up to the tourists you in this city Let's
2: go with it
3: Alright, take a deep breath, Julie If they may put me in good. jail, we're like who who have murder charges and everything Let's
2: steal Julie, okay? There Let Let my oh! Let's go it. Do the
0: real Batman? Well, the real, real Batman?
1: I actually double for George
0: Don't cry,
2: why are you crying?
1: We're going this way. Hold on man. Keep your pants up.
2: I will admit that I hit him, yes, but not today at all. Not one time. He's
3: a
1: compulsive liar, and I just now realized this after almost five years. Homeless
2: women with your feet. hand on your head, sir. Julie! Julie, I see your arm right here. Hey, Get out. All right,
3: mister. I, I, good luck Three
1: to you. All right, guys. Just
2: give me out. Just give me up. So, our facility has been used as a place of entertainment and, you know, while that's a little bit interesting, what's sad is that these are people's lives. Um, And oftentimes, until something happens to you or a family member, we don't think about the jail in our community. We think about the police officers. We don't think about corrections and what's going on in there, and how it can affect our lives. So the purpose of our radio presentation is just to educate the public. Here's just a cute little picture about what people think corrections is, what our friends think, what the public thinks, and then what we actually do. So there's a difference between jail and prison. Prison means that you've been sentenced to a year or more of time, and if you've been sentenced to a year or less, then you will stay in our facility. But you will also stay in our facility until you go to court and you're either released or you're convicted. And we've had some people stay as long as nine years uh, fighting a murder charge. So we are accredited. And this is important because it means that we have particular standards, our training is top notch, our officers are top notch, and we are allowed to get more grants. And essentially, um, our facility in Las Vegas does set the standard in the US. A lot of different agencies will come to us and learn our best practices. And so that's something that we're pretty proud of. So our corrections officers, They go through a 20-week academy. And then they have 10 weeks of field training. And they're trained in uh, crisis intervention and suicide prevention, first aid, CPR, terrorist liaison, and then gang knowledge and intel gathering to include tattoos, picking up on different vibes in the modules, different behaviors. Um, You actually become quite attuned to that lifestyle. So as of September, I'm sorry, of August of this year, we booked in almost seven thousand people. We're a very busy facility. Of those, you can see twenty nine hundred are felonies, almost three hundred are grist misdemeanors, and almost thirty seven hundred are misdemeanors. So we released almost sixty six hundred, but there or sixty eight hundred, but there's that gap. And what's happening is more and more people are coming to our facility and they are staying because we're finding crime is actually going up and so we need a place to house these people and it's a constant challenge. You'll see here too, I find this to be very interesting, most are sentenced to 156 days they're only going to serve almost 59% of that sentence. So here's the different jail designs. And we have all of these in our facility. Old design is the linear. We have a lot of podular and direct inmate housing. And then we have dormitory housing. And if anybody was ever in the military, that's kind of the analogy as to how that dorm works. We have three facilities, the main one downtown across from the courthouse. We have Booking, North Tower, and South Tower. Then we have the North Valley Complex, which is directly across the street from the hospital uh, out at Nellis. And then we also have the Tucker Holding Facility um, in Laughlin. This is our booking area. This is what I'm responsible for, and so you'll see that You have the pre-arrest area, they go through processing, they get their fingerprints, their mug shots, and then they go into open booking where they're seen by medical, the psychologist, they're classified, and then they go into the holding cells. North Tower was built in 1984. It was recently renovated. And it's designed to house almost 1,500 inmates. All of the rooms are double occupancy since the renovation. And they are for male and female units. South Tower was built in 2002. It can also house about 1,500 inmates. This is the dormitory style. Here you can see one of the single rooms, because this is where we put our max inmates or um, juveniles who have to be housed alone and you know maybe some psych inmates or something like that if they have to be housed alone. And when it says up to 74 per unit, that's with one officer. This is the North Valley complex out there by Nellis. And this was built, well, it was built about three hours, three years before that. But we couldn't occupy it until 2011. That had to do with politics. And it can house almost 1,100. This is considered direct inmate supervision. You can see everything. So from the officer's podium, they can see everything that's going on in the housing units besides the bathrooms and showers. So some of the daily activities that they do, they have rec. I'll show you a video of that in a minute. They have TV, phone, library, free time. Um, They have that in the morning, they have it in the afternoon, and then they have it at night. Alternatives to incarceration, otherwise known as house arrest. So currently, we have almost 1,000 inmates on house arrest. They were arrested, they're awaiting trial, sometimes they're sentenced, and the judge then um, orders them to go back into our community. And I think you would be... Pretty surprised to hear what some of these charges are and the crimes that they have committed. And they, like I said, they're back in our community. They have a little bracelet. We keep track of them um, through GPS. And while they're doing this, we do want them to become a part of some programs. Um, the whole idea is to change behavior, teach them that there's a different way of life. Um, So we have different programs like the Veterans Services, Hope for Prisoners, STARS, Urban League, and they're trying to give them skills so that they can choose to do something else in their life. WellPath is our medical provider. Um, It's interesting to note about 33% of our inmates are on some type of a psychotropic medication. And then we refer them to other... Hospitals to get help with that or for competency hearings. Legal 2000 commitments, that's if they want to hurt themselves or others. And the only way that we can stop them when they haven't committed a crime is to force them to go into a psychiatric hospital. And unfortunately, we have an entire module full of youths. And these are juveniles that are being... um, they're being charged as adults. So if normally when juvies are arrested, they will go to the juvie unit, I mean the juvie facility. But when they're charged as adults, and that's generally involving murder and guns, um, then they will come to our facility. And like I said, it's unfortunate we have an entire unit. Um, CCSD comes, they go to school, or they'll get their GED. We're trying to give them life skills and teach them that there's a different way of living, that they don't have to live like that. We have inmate programs. Like I said, we want them to get their GED, their education, learn coping skills. We have NA, AA. Um, we have a couple more that, than what's listed on here. But we try to engage their minds, and it seems like when they're in that structured environment it's um, you know it's really easy for them to change their frame of mind and and want to do different and better. The true test is when they get out, um, especially because they're going back to the same environment that they came from. We also try to teach them skills we have um Partnered with some of the um, um, the community. Um, oh my goodness, lost my train of thought. They provide services that will teach them how to bake, um, how to do landscaping, just skills so that when they get out, they will have something that they can go and apply for, and possibly even get some benefits. So, like I said. We've actually had quite a few people go in the community and talk about what we do, and we've strengthened relationships with those um, different groups, and they've become a lot more active in our community. We have a new veterans unit, and that's uh, something that's just started recently. So if you're a veteran, you can go to that unit, and we'll help you set up your um, you know, benefits or any needs that you have, because oftentimes they're not even aware that those things are even offered. And the other thing I want to mention is with UNLV, we actually have quite a few of the students. They'll come in and do an internship with us, and they will help with different projects or, you know, different studies and whatnot, and I think that's something that's really good in our community. So I have another video for you, but if you don't want to see blood or anything like that, please look away. It's very quick, but... We have um, this program within the department called Best of the Badge, and we recognize them once a year for outstanding acts that they've either done in the community to save lives or if they were in a situation where their life was in danger. And this is one of my officers who is now in booking, and he got a Medal of Honor and the Purple Heart a couple years ago. So this is only going to take a minute.
3: He was trying to kill me. I mean, I don't have a doubt in my mind he was trying to kill me. He was in there. He already has a murder case. He was able to get behind me, put an arm, you know, he had wrapped his arm around my neck, trying to kill me, trying to choke me out, basically. I was able to get out of that, um, regain control took them to the ground, and by that time, the sergeants had came, they got into the module, and basically, that was pretty much it. I mean, I'm summing it up real quick. I mean, it seemed like it was forever while it was going on. Watching the video seems like it took forever, but, I mean, the whole thing just, I mean, it happened just in the blink of an eye. These aren't your friends. I mean, no one wants to come to jail in the first place. No one wants to be there. The whole time it's going on, you're just, you know, you're, you're, your mindset's just getting out of it end of the day, I'm going home with my family. So that that was just, that was it.
2: So that incident happened in the South Tower in our open dorm unit. And I want to show you that because oftentimes when we go in the community, we talk about community you know things that the community can do, and it, it's about trying to rehabilitate and teach the inmates to do something different with their lives. But sometimes it's challenging because these people oftentimes don't want to change the trajectory of their life. That's the biggest challenge. And so when you have incidences like this, and when you have people that are going into the community and, you know, they're doing crimes, they're affecting people's lives, they're going into your home. Um, You know, sometimes we gotta take a hard look at that and realize, you know, it's a fine line, because you do want these people to change, you don't want them to be in jail, but at the same time, they're um, draining our criminal system, We have to pay taxes so that we can keep them in there. And I think right now it is $179 a day for every inmate that we keep in the detention center. So it's a community problem. So I have one more video that I just want to show you. The National Geographic actually came in, and they did a documentary. If you want to see this entire documentary, feel free. It is on YouTube. But I'm gonna show you just the first couple minutes. Got a bunch of felonies, you no? Know?
3: Possession for sales, possession of firearm, assault, battery, burglary, murder. This, this is it, though, for life, so I think that's kinda of hard to kinda of hard to play with right there
2: you did the crime, you had to pay the price. It's my first time. The serious charges, supposedly, and I don't want to go to prison. But I got to accept my consequences and do what I got to do, get home.
0: I'm going home in two months, and some of these guys will never get out. There's a lot of hate, yeah. Anything's possible in here, because it only takes one person.
1: Something really small and stupid can just ignite a whole war.
3: It's Saturday afternoon at Las Vegas' main jail. And a fight has broken out in Unit 2P. Two inmates were sitting at a table when their conversation escalated into blows. South Tower
1: Officers Nine, seven, lay down, face down, guys.
3: Now the scene is being contained. But today's fight has everyone on edge.
1: Just lay down right there, man.
3: That it's a sign of things to come in a dorm like none before in the jail. Unit 2P is a test case. An open housing unit filled with high security inmates. Repeat offenders, felons, gang members, all call...
2: Okay, so if you want to see the rest of that, National Geographic documentary... So our facility is, like I said, because we have those standards, because we're so highly trained, and we see a lot of unique individuals in Las Vegas, we have a lot of um, film industries that want to come and see our facility, as well as other agencies who want to come and train with us. Um, So there's a lot of information out there uh, about our facility that I mean to be honest we're pretty proud of in many ways as well but it's a very unique environment and so some of the challenges that I foresee in the coming years is like I said the amount of people that are actually going through our courts every day especially on Mondays because we have different events throughout the weekends they're generally there over the weekend they go to court first thing on Monday morning and I know you've seen in the news, you know, some things that have happened by transport officers, and so we've had to change our tactics, and, you know, that's a, a drain on manpower. And then the other issues are, if they're going to hire more cops, and they're arresting more people, especially during field training when they've got to be trained on how to do this, where are we going to house these criminals that are coming inside? So there's a few things that I just wanted to bring to your attention and to plant a little seed in your mind uh, because I, th- these issues are not going to go away. And there are things that we need to talk about in the community. Um, and I think, really, at the end of the day, that's all that I have. I just wanted to open it up for some questions.
3: Right here. You said crime is going up. What do you attribute that to?
2: A growing population and a lot of people coming over from California. <laughs> and I don't mean normal people necessarily. I mean we. It's very easy to drive, you know, up the 15, commit a crime. In fact, Bellagio faced this issue um, when they were stealing from the jewelry store, and they would leave town and go right back. So it's very hard to find an elusive person.
1: Kimberly, what kind of weapons do you wear in the actual place where the prisoners are?
2: Great question. So we have our handcuffs, we have our pepper spray, and we also have a taser. So I think we'd all be really blind if
0: we didn't realize that every night when you watch the news there's a number of crimes that are committed and it's very obvious that it's increasing in our community. But I'm just kind of concerned about like what the numbers are. What percentage is related to, I don't know, you know, like 50% to this, 25 to that, 30 to this. How is it broken down? Do you know?
2: I don't have those stats. That would be a great question for the sheriff. Um... I don't know that verbatim. Because there's also a difference between, like, let's just look at murder, for instance. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a crime of passion, which is a, you know, that's a rare occurrence. That's like a normal person who just reaches their breaking point, can't take anymore. They're probably never going to commit the same crime again, but they're going to pay for the rest of their life versus somebody who is involved with a gang and they're doing it to, you know, to become involved in the gang or because they were told to do it or it's their lifestyle. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand.
3: Arrogato uh, Gazzamas. Uh, I know you've said several times uh, the goal is to try and change the behavior and get them another path, but you have them only for a short time like compared to the prison where they have the prison industries and they can do a lot of the stuff. Uh, can you really get enough vocational training and, you know, in there, or can you set things up so when they leave they, they can continue that, uh, even though you're a short time with your you?
2: Yeah, sure. So we, we offer these programs to people that are not sentenced, but most of these programs are for sentenced. Sentenced people and yes, they will go on with the different groups of people in the community They want them to continue on with their counseling or their training or whatever because they want them to get a job
1: Because we're such a transient community uh, What kind of statistics do you have between residents and non-residents who are in your jail?
2: I don't know the exact figure, but I will tell you that we do get quite a few um, travelers, and not just US citizens, but we get of people a lot of people from overseas, and especially like when their culture's different, they will come to jail for battery domestic violence, because maybe in their country, their rules are a little bit different, and they don't realize here, you know, We have standards and laws against that. So I mean, we are a community that has a high amount of tourism. So you will see quite a few people, unfortunately, that will come to our jail. Hi, Kimberly.
0: Uh, Do you have any plans or projections for an additional facility? Uh, And so which tax area are you in, or who would be financing any additional
2: growth? I appreciate that question. I'm not sure about the next facility or what that is. We have talks about building another facility next to our NVC by the Air Force. Um, but that would only house another 1,100 people, maybe. But with our detention center, you know, part of our money comes from the city, and part of our money comes from the county. We are blended, unlike Metro, because the police department is 100% uh, from the county. We're both. And sometimes getting that money from the county is challenging because their focus is on the police side. But you can't do your police work if you don't have the corrections work.
0: Uh, Kimberly, are the facilities, the two towers, uh, divided by male, female, and the juveniles for the adult crimes by floor or are they by the towers?
2: So our South Tower is more of that open dorm that you saw in that last video. And generally we get lower level offenders there, but it also houses our max units. And um, our unit where they have more psych issues or they want to hurt themselves and then that's also where our juveniles are housed. But it's not mixed up by male or female or ages or anything. It, and in fact, we, we change it periodically depending on how many you know, max custodies we have or close custodies versus minimum custodies because it'll fluctuate, and then we have to change our modules. North Tower, almost everybody's behind the door. It's not open bay like that.
0: Hi. Uh, I was just curious, what on earth do you, are you wearing in all those little leather things on your belt? And how much does all that weigh?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I have keys. I have my gun. Um, I have my baton. I have handcuffs. I have my pepper spray. Um, I have my magazines. I think that's about all that will fit on my belt.
1: So. Oh, yeah, my taser. Kimberly, three questions. One, when are you running for sheriff? <laughs> Two, with all the international travelers, how do you handle people who don't speak English? And then three, can you talk a little bit about human trafficking?
2: So it, I'll start with the international travelers. we it, It's so common with us that we have the system just set up. Um, we actually have a lot of people in our facility that speak another language, thankfully, so we will call upon them often. Otherwise, we have a language line, Um, and you know, certain countries, we have to notify them, and so we do, and then their consulate will reach out to them and help them with an attorney and the court process and all of that. And as far as human trafficking goes, so It's challenging, especially in Las Vegas, um, because we still have the same problem where people will come in for a week or a weekend, especially depending on what convention is in town, and, and then they're gone. So they're not here for very long, and again, you're kind of fighting that elusive criminal, that pimp or whomever, and... We know it happens. It's a fact. And like I said, it's a challenge. So we have programs in place. Uh, About three years ago, there were different community groups that came together. And like when the guy from DHS was here speaking, he's actually taking a seat at that group because it's something that they discuss. But again, the challenge is, number one, making them aware that there's a different lifestyle out there that they don't have to live like that especially when it's fast money and then number 2 showing them that if they did want out there are resources for them and that we are there for them and can help you know change their lives and their situation it's unfortunate though because a lot of those girls you know they'll come in with the name of their pimp on their face on their arm or they'll have their pimp X'd out on one arm and then another pimp, you know, tattooed on the other arm. They are all marked up. And the very young, young girls, it's very hard to reach out to them because the pimps know that, you know, we want to find them. We don't want them doing this. Um, So it's a challenge.
1: Thank you very much. President Jackie has indicated that We are at the end of our question session.
0: We are. Come on over, Kimberly. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Kimberly. I just wanted to let you know that we are going to present you with our Share What You Can Award, which means we're giving a donation to the local USO in your name. And thank you so much for very interesting. Everyone, be sure to take your rosters home with you. I know some of them are under your chairs, so make sure you don't leave without them. In the words of a woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. Let's leave today building connections, taking kind action, and serving one another, and rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world.